Stay tuned for a word from the Lord. Life will never settle down until I choose to settle down. Life is a choice more than we realize. Until I designate how I will use my time, other people and circumstances will determine how I use my time. I can organize my workday. I can set priorities. I can accomplish what I need to do so that when I get home, I don't have to do what I was supposed to do and I can focus on who I should be focusing on. Time marches on regardless of what we do. Today's sermon examines some of the time traps we fall into as we seek to serve the Lord. Thank you for joining us today on A Word from the Lord. Today's message is entitled, The Struggle with Time. It was preached earlier at the beginning of this year, but it is just as timely today. And now here is our teacher, Foley Beach, with his message entitled, The Struggle with Time. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. Therein, the 2006 winners of the International Pun Contest. Now remember, these are puns. Two vultures board an airplane, each carrying two dead raccoons. The flight attendant looks at them and says, I'm sorry, gentlemen. Only one carry-on per passenger. <laughs> have to think about that one. Two hydrogen atoms meet. One says, I've lost my electron. The other says, are you sure? The first replies, yes, I'm positive. <laughs> one more. <laughs> A woman has twins and gives them up for adoption. One of them goes to a family in Egypt and is named Amal. The other goes to a family in Spain. They name him Juan. Years later, Juan sends a picture of himself to his birth mother. Upon receiving the picture, she tells her husband that she wishes she also had a picture of Amal. Her husband responds, They're twins. If you've seen Juan, you've seen Amal. Okay. (laughs) It's the end of another year, and I find myself asking the same questions. Where did the time go? How did it go so fast? Did I use my time this year as the Lord wanted? Can I do a better job in the new year with how I use my time? Time is like an ever-flowing stream. No matter how many dams we place along its banks, its waters continue to travel their intended destination. This past year gave us 12 months, 365 days, 8,760 hours, and 525,600 minutes. We can't stop time. We can't manage time. We can't even slow it down. But we can honor time. We can manage ourselves to make the most of our time. 
And we can start investing our time rather than wasting our time. God's Word says a lot about time, mainly that God is sovereign and that His purposes will last. The Scripture has numerous references about time, but one that's one of my favorites is King Solomon's piece. When he wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, There is a time for everything, and a season for every activity under heaven, a time to be born, and a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to uproot, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to tear down, and a time to build, a time to weep, and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Listen to his words later on as he makes observations about life without God. He writes in Ecclesiastes 9.11, I have seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned. But time and chance happen to them all. Moreover, no man knows when his hour will come. Most of us are in the river of time, like a raft going through the rapids, being tossed here and there, bouncing off this rock or this rapid. It's a pretty rough ride. Marsha Hornick describes what I'm talking about in her version of Psalm 23. It's called Psalm 23 Antithesis. The clock is my dictator. I shall not rest. It makes me lie down only when exhausted. It leads me into deep depression. It hounds my soul. It leads me in circles of frenzy for activity's sake. Even though I run frantically from task to task, I will never get it done, for my ideal is with me. Deadlines and my need for approval, they drive me. They demand performance from me beyond the limits of my schedule. They anoint my head with migraines. My in-basket overflows. Surely fatigue and time pressure shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the bonds of frustration forever. I'm sure this describes many of you, for I've been there more often than not. It might be wise to take her words and go reflect on them. Could probably just end the sermon right here. But actually, I have some more to say. (laughs) How many of us, if we're honest, would have to admit that the clock is our dictator? We start our day with the alarm clock. We follow the clock all day long until late at night when we hit our heads on the pillows, exhausted. God gives each of us 24 hours a day. And in that 24 hours, 
There should be a time we allot to spend with Him, time we allot to be with our family and friends, time for our work or schoolwork, time for serving others, time for exercise, and time for rest. That's called sleep, by the way. If God would have wanted us to have 36-hour days, He would have given us 36-hour days. He's given us 24 hours in a day, and I want to suggest a pretty radical thought. If you don't have enough clock in your day to get it all done, then you're doing some things that you shouldn't be doing. Let me say that again. (laughs) I didn't hear any amens on that one. (laughs) If you don't have enough clock in your day to get it all done, then you're doing some things you shouldn't be doing. (laughs) I truly believe that if I'm in the will and purpose of God for my life, then I'll be able to get done what He desires. But if I have some things in my life that are not His will and His purpose for me, and I don't have proper boundaries in place, then I will not have enough time. And I will either not get it done, or I will not get my rest, or neglect other aspects of my life that are vital to happiness, joy, and real productivity. As I've prepared this sermon over the past several months, I've come to realize that I could preach a number of sermons on this subject and still feel like I've only scratched the surface. But there are a few areas I want to think that could be helpful for us all, and I want to share those with you this morning. I want you to consider some of these for your thoughts. Todd Duncan, in his book, Time Traps, speaks of different ways we lose our time, that we waste our time. We end up wasting it on needless things that we get trapped into doing. Here are a few for your consideration. The first is what he calls the organizational trap. The organizational trap. That is, we often waste time juggling unnecessary tasks. They steal our time. There are things we shouldn't even be doing anyway, but we get stuck doing them. Then there's the yes trap. That is, we waste time saying yes when we should be saying no. We don't want to hurt someone's feelings or we want their approval, so we say yes rather than say no. And then he has what's called the control trap. That is, we waste time by hoarding tasks which should be delegated to others. You don't have to do it all yourself. Share the load with others. Let go of control of how the task gets done. Stop trying to do it all yourself. One example, if you're a mom, you live in a house with other people, right? Mainly a husband and children. Well, why should you do all the chores? Delegate them out. Let go of control. Then there's the technology trap. This is my favorite. That is, we waste time on time-saving devices. Computers, phones, email, Blackberries have made us slaves. And for some of us, there's no escape. Some of us are here are old enough to remember when the personal computer was said to revolutionize our lives. That is, our time would be freed up, and our time would be so freed up, we'd have all this extra time for recreation and fun and all these other things. But to many of us, the computer has become our master, and we burn hours of our time 
on unnecessary things. Turn off the computer. Turn off the phone. Turn off the email. Turn off the Blackberry. Now don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying don't use these things. I'm saying use them according to your priorities. I mean, for me with the computer, I use it to study. I use it to write my sermons or to write articles or research for email. I have my calendar on the computer. I have my finances. I pay my bills through my computer. But you must have boundaries. One example with the computer. I have my computer on. I have this little program and all of a sudden it comes up and it says, you have a new email. Well, what I used to do is I'd immediately click on it and go see who was sending me an email. And then I would burn unneedless time following up with that email right there at that moment. I don't do that anymore. I check my email at certain times when I'm ready to check my email. When it fits into my priorities. Turn off the computer. Turn off the phone. Turn off the email. Turn off the Blackberry. And only use them for the time you choose. The time you plan to use them. That's the technology trap. For some of you, this question will bite. Yesterday, how much time did you waste on the computer? What did you accomplish in your life? What did you accomplish toward God's will for you? Time-saving devices are stealing our time. All of us are given 24 hours a day and all of us struggle with how to use our time, how not to waste it, how to enjoy it, how to get our work done so we can play, how to play so we can get our work done, how to balance our schedules so that our families and vital relationships are not neglected, how to balance our schedules so we take care of our bodies with exercise and proper rest. They are, after all, the temple of the Holy Spirit. Several principles for us to think about this morning as we approach this new year. First, Life will never settle down until I choose to settle down. Life will never settle down until I choose to settle down. Life is a choice more than we realize. Until I designate how I will use my time, other people and circumstances will determine how I use my time. I can organize my work day, I can set priorities. I can accomplish what I need to do so that when I get home, I don't have to do what I was supposed to do and I can focus on who I should be focusing on. One thing I've noticed as I've gone through seasons of life is that you tend to add things to your life as you move along, but you don't tend to take things out. Like our possessions, which we gradually accumulate as we go through life. We accumulate activities. We accumulate habits. We accumulate patterns. And all of them are taking our time. And eventually there will be a reckoning. You can't stay up all night for long without the consequences catching up with you. Physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. It will catch up. Now granted, there are seasons of life which naturally bring on activities which take our time and need our time. And you have to adjust. For example, this past fall in our family, my son James played football 
And my daughter, Rebecca, was a cheerleader. Well, James was on the varsity. Rebecca was on the junior varsity. So what that meant was every Thursday afternoon, we had a football game. And then every Friday night, we had a football game. Well, at their school, when you have away games, all the away games were at least an hour away. Some were two and three and four hours away. So you think just travel time, three hours away, that's six hours plus the game plus all the other things. You have to adjust. You have a choice over how you use your time each day. And life will not settle down until you choose to settle down. A second thing, working is not living. Working is not living. Now, don't hear the next few comments that I'm against work. Please don't hear that. Work is important and work is necessary, but work is not living. Most of us do not have the attitude toward our jobs as the man I sat next to years ago on an airplane. I was flying to Hawaii and I began a conversation with the man next to me. It turns out he was a lieutenant colonel in the Marine Air Force. So I asked him, well, what do you do for fun? And he said his vocation was his avocation. He said for him, his job was fun. That's not the case for most people. And yet, too many people live for their jobs and they live their lives there at work. But living is so much more than work. Living includes meaningful relationships. Living includes serving the Lord. Living includes enjoying the life that God has given you. Now, of course, this should be balanced with all the admonitions in Proverbs about slothfulness and the sluggard who sleeps all day, how poverty and disappointment will overtake them. If you've never read those, go study it. It's fascinating. For those of you who spend all your waking hours at work, you must remember that working is not living. A third thing, time is life first then money. Not time is money, then life. Time is life first, then money. I really don't need to say much about this except to add that a few years ago a study was done and it, with people who were living in their, their older years and they asked them the question, if you had something that you would change, if you would do over again, over 90% said they'd spend less time trying to make money and more time with their family and friends, and helping others. Time is life first, then money. Number four, more work usually means less life. Less work, more productivity, and efficiency usually means more life. One challenge for many of you in the coming year is how to do your work in a more productive and meaningful way so that you'll have more time for life. Examine how you do your job and look for the ways your time is wasted or stolen from you and do something about it. You can have more life, which means you need less work, which means you need to learn how to do what you do more efficiently. Not so you can make more money, which is usually what people do. Oh, I got more time, I'll go do... No, so you can... Live life. A fifth thing. How I use my time 
deeply impacts my self-esteem, my identity, and my fulfillment. How I use my time deeply impacts my self-esteem, my identity, and my fulfillment. This one cannot be said loud enough. How I use my time deeply impacts who I am, my outlook on life, how I live life. If all my time is on work, well, you know that one. How you think about yourself, how you feel about life, how you succeed in life are all impacted on how you use your time. All affect your self-esteem, your self-concept, your self-worth, your identity, and fulfillment. And then number six, I cannot control time, but I can control how I use and respond to time. I cannot control time, but I can respond how I use and respond to time. God's purpose for you is not to be a miserable individual. He wants you to have abundant life, meaningful life, fulfilling life. But in today's world, you will not get this until you get control of the time issues of your life. Let me say that again. In today's world, you will not get this until you get control over the time issues in your life. But you can do it. You can make it happen. God has given you and I the ability to think, to reason, to logically organize our time. You can do it, and it doesn't have to be a burden. Now, my purpose this morning is not to answer all the questions about this in your life. For for all of us, this will look different. We all have different callings. We have different jobs. We have different families. We have different commitments. My purpose this morning is to stir up in you a little bit this issue in your life to get you thinking about it, to get you wanting to do some personal study on it, to get you out of the rat race that you find yourself in. Just a simple formula to start. It's real easy. Prayer, priorities, plan. Pray. Lord, show me how you want me to use my time. Priorities. Set your priorities. What what is it your life is about? What's most important? One, two, three, four, five. What are your priorities? And then plan. Plan your time around your priorities. It's that simple. Prayer, priorities, plan. Can I hear you say that? Prayer, priorities, plan. Great. A few quotes to end our time this morning. 1 Corinthians 10.31, the Apostle Paul says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. In my transliteration of that in this context, so whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do or however you use your time, do it all for the glory of God. And then Todd Duncan writes, the only time that counts is the time you make count. Time matters. Today matters. Make it your masterpiece. Now that one you need to cut out, some of you, and put on your mirror And every morning when you're brushing your teeth, say that. The only time that counts is the time you make count. Time matters. Today matters. Make it your masterpiece. And then 2 Corinthians 6, 2. Apostle Paul writes, I tell you, now 
is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. See, it's now. Tomorrow never comes. It's always now. Well, another year has come and gone. What are you going to do about the new year? How are you going to use your time? Amen. Thank you, Foley. If you would like to hear this message again, you can visit our website, awordfromthelord.org. If you would like to share this message with a friend or family member, you can order this message for a love gift of any amount. For Dr. Beach, I'm Jeremy Coleman. Until next time, it is our prayer that you would be seeking a word from the Lord.